Would you turn your Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3? As you do that, we're going to do two things. We're going to call up Ian Jones, who's going to preach to us this morning. And we're going to dismiss our children to Children's Church. So if you have little kids who are in preschool up until third grade, that's a little bit of a change, preschool through third grade, who'd like to meet in the back, um, you can head over with Jeannie MacArthur and Mrs. Marine Trike, who raised me, so you can have great confidence that she has your children in the palms of her hands. How bad could it be? Well, Ian, we're so grateful to have you bring the word uh, this morning. For those of you who would like a little bit more background, not only on Ben and Kim, but on Ian and Heather Jones, we encourage you to pick up the uh, longer form uh, booklet for the Missions Encounter Weekend. They have bios in there. You can learn about their kids and some of the work they're doing in Africa. But I won't take any of Ian's thunder. I'll uh, encourage you, brother, to bring God's word to us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. It really is a great privilege to be back. Um, I think the last time I was here was near the end of uh, 2014, I think. Mm. And that was right before we left. We uh, have been in Burkina ever since. Um, but it's always a privilege to be back. Um, before we read the passage, could I pray real quick? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the great privilege we have to be able to come here um, and worship you as part of your body here in Florida. Lord, I pray that this morning as we open your word, Lord, I pray that your spirit would open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us in the words of Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations. Lord, I pray that this morning, after we leave here, as we go back out the doors that we came in, Lord, I pray that we would go out changed. I pray that we would go out in a deeper admiration of who you are and the love and care you have for us. And Lord, I pray that as we leave too, we would go out not only in a deeper relationship with you, but a deeper relationship with one another, as we really are your people. And I pray all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So this morning, um, I would like us to look at a passage in Lamentations. So this passage is chapter, uh, Lamentation 3. I want to start at verse 19. I know it's kind of in the middle of a thought, but let's start at verse 19 and go all the way through 24. Um, again, it's Lamentations 3, verses 19 24. Here's the word of the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Amen. Um, I wonder uh, how many of you have actually even 
heard a sermon on Lamentation. I wonder how many of you actually read through the book. Um, doesn't come up very often. Um, thing that first thing that comes to mind when I see the book is uh, there's a painting by Rembrandt. So I actually really like it. Have you ever seen it? It's an old man. It, uh, it's Jeremiah. He's sitting at a front of a cave. He's depressed, obviously looking just oh yeah, depressed. He's leaning on a rock. In the background, you see Jerusalem burning. And that's the context for this book. Jeremiah is looking at the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple of God. And he is quite depressed, <laughs> understandably. Um, you know, I think we, I, we kind of get the word lamentations. We, uh, it sounds depressing. It sounds somebody, you know, maybe crying or whatnot. But in Burkina, uh, due to our French, uh, the French they use, um, people called it the Book of Tears. Lamentation in French, I mean, that's actually the word for tears. They refer to this book as the Book of Tears. And I think it's a very appropriate name. Um, as we go through this short little section of this book, I want us to see three things. First, I want to see the world of despair that is all around us. But I want us to look also at the God of hope, the center of this passage. And then finally, I'd like to look at the promise of joy. So let's get started. First, at the world of despair. Before we look at Jeremiah, I just want to give you a bit of context for where I live, maybe help you understand even more why I think this world is a world of despair. I, I, I live in Burkina Faso, in the city with the greatest name in the world. It's called Ouagadougou. It's pretty much OU over and over and over again. But um, it's in the middle of the, well, not in the middle, I shouldn't say that. It's on the edge of the Sahara Desert. Um, I've set in 120 degree weather, wondering why I'm here sometimes. But um, it's hot, it's dry, um, nothing grows. Things are actually getting worse, though. When I, when I got there uh, in 2011, it was the fifth poorest country in the world, and it's just been dropping ever since. Um, since I got there, terrorism has become a big problem. The entire northern half of Burkina is now the Wild West. I can't go there anymore. Um, those who, like one of the pastors I work with, his name is John Baptiste, uh, which means John the Baptist, Still trying to get him to change his name to John the Presbyterian, but he won't do it. <laughs> um, John Baptiste uh, has a side job because these churches we work with are too small to really support these pastors. His side job is, I mean, he is an artsy guy. He, he makes keychains. He made this shirt. I'm showing it off. Um, he, he does a lot of stuff like that. He makes drums. He makes whatever. He, he's just a really neat guy. But due to terrorism, nobody wants to come to Burkina. So who's he selling things to? Nothing. The economy in Burkina is tanking. We've been on a three-year drought. It rains, just not enough. Um, the rains aren't regular. Pretty much in Burkina, you have to plant that seed before the rains come so that you can take advantage of the whole season. Well, two years ago, the rains were late, so we lost the entire crop. The following year, the rains were early, so they didn't plant it early enough. And, and this is a year-after-year year cycle. And people are wondering, what's life going to be like next year? They're looking and they see no hope. I, I can't 
tell you how many times I've used my car as an ambulance. I have hauled people um, to hospitals more times than I care to count. I have even laid them on the seats back in our car so that we can haul dead bodies around. And you're looking at a world with no hope. My, one of my most vivid memories growing up, because I grew up in Ivory Coast, which is a country to the south of Burkina. One of my most vivid memories, not one of them, um, one of the most, oh, I don't want to say this, one of the memories, I'm, I, the things I remember the most are funerals. I can remember funeral after funeral um, for 15 years of living there. Um, we used to have to go up a hill to get to our church. It was a very narrow road. Um, so all, almost every Sunday, it just always seemed to work out this way. Um, at least in my head, it seems like every Sunday. But there was always a funeral coming down the street while we were trying to go up. And they're all, I mean, you do remember, this is a Muslim environment. Um, and I can always remember as a kid looking out the back window of our car and, and, and seeing, especially the wife of whoever had died. And you can just see the, the, the look of despair. There is no hope. When her husband's dead, she loses everything. Um, she has no life anymore. She has nowhere to go, no, no one to take care of her. And I, I, that really hit me as a kid. Um, so let's look at Jeremiah for a minute. That's sort of my context. Look at Jeremiah. Again, remember the picture I was trying to tell about Rembrandt. He's sitting in a cave, depressed, while his entire life burns behind him. Remember... Um, for the people of God in the Old Testament, the temple represented God's presence. This was how God, it was sort of God's connection to his people. And what's happened? It was burned to the ground. All the articles, are all the stuff that was used was hauled off to Babylon. And what does Jeremiah say? In verse 19, he says, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, um, the wormwood and the gall, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. To make it worse, though, he's not just watching his whole life fall apart. If you read chapter 3 more in its entirety, um, you'll see that Jeremiah is looking at God. God is as the enemy right now. God is the one making them suffer. God, he uses the idea of a warrior, uh, that God is fighting against them. And listen to what he says in verse 18. He, um, he said, so I say, my endurance has perished, so has my hope in the Lord. He's looking at God, and he has no hope. There's um, one of the deacons of our church in Burkina, his name's Benoit. Um, he actually lives on church property. Uh, um, a few weeks after I came back to the, to the U.S., he calls me up to let me know his sister-in-law showed up at his front door, um, totally beat up, um, carrying a little girl, her daughter, in her hands. She informed him that her husband decided he wanted a second wife and beat her and told her to leave. So she's come to her brother-in-law's house, and her first question is, why does God hate me so much? He's looking at a world that's falling apart. So is Jeremiah. So does a lot of people. Um, there's the whole context of COVID, too. I want to add that in there. So people are looking around, and they're not seeing much hope. 
Maybe I was down with my parents in London. My dad has said there is not a single little mom and pop shop left open in his entire neighborhood. They cannot handle lockdowns. They cannot handle this. And people are wondering, what's the future going to look like? We have no hope. We're lost. So Jeremiah is sitting here <laughs> all depressed, all frustrated, all wondering, God, what are you doing? But what I find interesting is, you know, in verse 18, he says, you know, I have no hope, his hope has disappeared. The hope from the Lord has disappeared. What's interesting, though, is he's now saying, look, he's, I get a little technical here. He uses the covenant name of God, the word Yahweh, so the name Yahweh in there. It's interesting that he, he takes a look at God, says he has no hope, but then something clicks in his mind. It's like now that he's looking at God, Something changes in his um, perspective. Yes, Jerusalem is burning. <laughs> but something flips here. So he's, he's stopped looking at the world of despair. And now he's looking at God, the God of hope. So let's look at this second little section in here. Let me read it again, what he says. So he's, looked at, he's looking at his, in verse 19, he's looking at his situation. It says his soul is bowed down within him. Um, he's looked at God, he felt like God had, there's no hope in God, but then when he, again, when he, when he calls on the name of the Lord, what does he, what does it call to mind? Verse 19, um, uh, verse 20, sorry, um, no, sorry, um, there's verse 21, <laughs> but this I call to mind, now that he's looking at God, he says, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So now, Jeremiah has gone from looking at the world around him, the world of despair, hopelessness, loneliness, and he's recalled to mind. I like that, that little phrase. He's, he's remembering something. Um, and what he's remembering is who God is. He says, okay, yes, God is punishing them. Yes, God at the moment looks like an enemy. Um, but there's something else he knows about God. He knows who God is, that who God has revealed himself to be. And who has he revealed himself to be? A God whose steadfast love never ceases. A God whose mercies are new every morning. And it's, it's interesting that even in this context, Jeremiah can find hope. Because he knows the God of love and mercy. This is where I think his theology turns into doxology. This is why theology matters. What we know about God will dictate how we look at him, how we react to situations around us. What we know about God can lead us either to despair or to joy and hope. And that's where Jeremiah goes. Hope is only found in the Lord, but the Lord who never changes. Um, early on when I was in Burkina, um, we'd been doing a lot of work in one of these villages not too far from the main city. I was partnering with a group that did a lot of medical work, so I was in and out of this village a few times. Um, but early on, the chief's brother called me at one point. So out in blue, now I don't know this guy very well. I've met him, so I didn't know him very well. But out of the blue, he calls me to let me know he is at the hospital. His wife has, had gone into labor. There's complications. The doctors don't think either one of them will live. 
So he calls me, and why is he calling me? I'm like, I don't know, what can I do? Um, he said, I just I want you to pray for me and my family. So they're on the phone. I pray for him. Um, tried to offer what hope I could. He's a Muslim, by the way. I should probably mention that. His entire family is. The entire village is Muslim. A um, little bit later, he called me back. Says, uh, you know, when he go, went back into the the room where his wife was, it turned she had actually given birth, and they were both all both okay. So um, it's God really is an amazing God. But um, later on, I come to him um, when I got to know him a little better, and asked him, well, why why that day, you know, um, when your wife was in the hospital, why did you choose to call me? I don't know you very well. He said, well, you're a Christian, and you Christians love to offer hope. So I, yeah, that meant a lot to me. I said earlier that Burkina, the northern half of Burkina, is now a lawless wild west. I have a friend, he's a pastor, his name's Mumuni. Don't ask me to spell it. Um, He lives way up north in a, a section that is actually was, up until a few weeks ago, controlled by Sharia law. Um, he, he is one of our theologi- our theology students. He used to come down to Waga every other month for courses. Um, he had to quit because he didn't want to leave his family alone up there. He moves around. He never stays in the same house for more than a few days. Um, church services are done by word of mouth. He will let you know, okay, we're going to meet on Wednesday at 2 o'clock under you know, that tree or something or Whatnot. He moves it never the same day. Um, he got asked by um, some of the pastors that live in Waga, why do you stay up there? Just come down here for a little while and, and ride out the storm. His answer was, if I leave, who will offer them hope? There's a point here I'm trying to get at, <laughs> if you haven't noticed. Um, in this world of despair, where is hope found? In God, in God alone. Um, Y'all have a sort of mission verse, I guess, for the week, you know, Isaiah 41.10. Um, you know, it's actually really hard for me to say the verse because it's one of the memory verses I've been using with my kids, and, and we do, do it with music. So whenever I hear it, it's always, I got the song in my head. Um, fear not, for God is with you. Fear not, for God is with you. Oh, it just, yeah, gets stuck in my head and never can get away. But, um, but yeah, that, that's the whole point of the verse. Why do we not fear? Because God is with us. Why are we not dismayed? Because he's our God. And one of the, he is here to help. He helps. He upholds us with his righteous right hand. We have hope no matter what's going on because we serve the God whose love never ceases, whose mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. If you continue in um, uh, Lamentation 3, you see, there's this whole idea of day and night and, and coming. I, 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 this, this new every morning thing always makes me think of my kids, this idea of not being afraid because God is with us. I don't know, for those of you who do have parents, I'm 100% sure there have been nights where your children come running down the hallway and just dive into bed with you. That's actually the good scenario. The worst scenario is when they just stand there beside the bed and you wake up and then, yeah, yeah. but, um, oh man, Uh, you're totally wide awake at that point. It's like, why go back to sleep? But um, why do they come in? Why do they come in? Because they know there is safety and security in the arms of their parents. They know they can weather the dark night in your arms knowing that 
one day morning will come. And I think that's what Jeremiah is trying to get at here too. Yes, life is horrible. <laughs> Israel is being deported into exile. The temple is destroyed. But he can run to the hands of his heavenly father knowing that he can ride out this not long dark night in his hands knowing the morning will come. It doesn't, may not come immediately, but it will come. I think that's his main point. The, word, the hardships don't end, but there is hope. Morning is coming, and where better to be than in the hands of the loving God whose mercies never come to an end. But it, it, it's not finished. You know, we, we, we look at this world of despair. You concentrate on the environment around you, all it, all it is is depressing. You look to God and you realize there is hope. But it's not just hope. Um, there's more to it. There's a promise of joy. Look at the last verse of our passage, um, verse 24. Jeremiah goes from looking at God's mercy and love and finding joy to what? He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. You know, I, I uh, didn't finish this story. Um, Benoit's sister-in-law, the one who got beat up, came to, church, or came to his house. Um, she's actually living with him and his wife now. Um, he lives on the church property, and she since, it was somewhere in October, I can't remember, or August, sorry, I can't remember the exact date, but since then, she's been coming to church with Benoit and his wife. And uh, my prayer, she is hearing about hope, the God of hope, who does love her more than she can imagine. But here, this last verse, in verse 24, we see a complete reversal in the attitude of Jeremiah. In verse 18, you see no hope in God. And all of a sudden, you see him looking at God as his greatest hope and joy. Here, after remembering who God has revealed himself to be, he finds great joy in the hands of his loving Heavenly Father, knowing that, yes, life is hard, but there is joy to come. Um, I want to read a passage in 1 Peter, 1 Peter 3, 9. So it is, in my opinion, the New Testament equivalent to what Jeremiah has just said in, in um, Lamentation 3. Listen to the words of the Apostle Peter. It's 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. He says this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I'll stop there for you. Good. You see the connection. Paul, or Peter, is even saying life is tough. There can be problems will come. It's just life. Um, Jesus said that's one of the actual things we can be sure of. Suffering will come. 
But there's hope. Not just hope for now, but I mean, not just hope that you know, eventually things will get better. Hopefully. No. There's, there's, Peter wants us to know that we have an inheritance that God has guarded. It's in his hand. It can't be destroyed. It can't be touched. It can't be taken away. But if you paid attention to Peter, he says that not only is that inheritance sure and secure, you are too. He said, and you are being guarded for that inheritance. Not only is that inheritance in the hand of God, so are you. And he is going to bring you to that inheritance. That's why Isaiah 41.10 can say, not, don't fear, or do not fear. You're not done with, no, sorry. Um, because God is our portion. He is, we are in his hands. Again, hardships don't end. This book of Lamentation is still the book of tears. It doesn't end. You know, we're not at the end of Lamentation. He is going to continue to lament. But if you read it, you will see a change in focus. Yes, it's horrible. Israel is destroyed. Or Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple is gone. It almost, at this point, it even looks like the line of kings are gone. It looks bad. But he has hope. Because he knows who God is. He knows what God has promised. He knows God has an, has, has an inheritance for them and that he is guarding them for that inheritance, even if Jerusalem is burning in the background. God is faithful. He's the God whose love never ceases, whose mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Even while writing this book, I think Jeremiah knew that one day God would exchange his book of tears for a book of joy that would go on for all eternity. Taya, um, I mentioned these funerals going up and how they always, I don't know, they just, they're just seared in my brain. But this, as a child, seeing that and then hearing this passage in Lamentation, one of the reasons why I became a missionary. I wanted people, like those people coming down the streets for these funerals to know there is hope. Not just a little hope, not just a hope like, oh, I hope I, you know, I win the lottery or something. I don't know. First thing that pops in mind, I don't know why. Um, not that kind of a hope. This is a sure, sure and secure thing. Knowing that, yes, life can be bad and can be quite bad. Yes, um, is our Burkina's economy is probably going to continue to tank. The drought may continue. Um, tourism may never come back. Um, Life may always be hard, but there is hope. We are secure in the hands of a loving Heavenly Father. A loving Heavenly Father who didn't, doesn't just love us and tell us he loves us, he showed it. He sent his son to, to take the penalty that we would have had to take. The penalty where we would be cut off from that Heavenly Father, that hand who protects us, he sent his own son to be cut off so that you would never have to be. Love Hebrews 4. Because of that, because of that um, sacrifice of Jesus Christ, not only do we have hope, but we have the privilege and honor to enter the throne room of God, to ask for mercy and grace in our time of need. And that's why um, we tell people about Jesus. We want them to know there is hope. 
hope beyond your wildest imagination. There is a God who loves you. Life isn't easy. And there are always many reasons for this. However, Christians can always have hope because of God's unfailing love and mercy for us. Um, to end, I want to remind you of Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Um, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in all things, with um, prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.